Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Once again, this hour of The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you here for this hour of spiritual direction. So we've got Halloween less than a week away coming up on Monday. Kids will be out trick-or-treating. And this Friday and Saturday, there's going to be all kinds of Halloween parties, other Halloween events. And of course, There are all the varieties of scary movies that people watch around this time of year. And then there are all the costumes. And Halloween, when you're a kid, it's such a fun day. Getting to dress up and walk around the neighborhood and people just give you loads of free candy. My wife, Baylen, she actually didn't get to experience trick-or-treating when she was little. Her father, he didn't like the idea of his children walking around asking for candy. And Baylen, she told me, she said, now his attitude was, if my kids want candy, I'll buy it for them. You know, I don't want my kids getting handouts. And so when Baylen first told me about this, I, I think it was the first Halloween when we had our, our, our oldest daughter, you know, when she was little and she was going to go out trick-or-treating. That was the first time I heard about this, and I felt a little bad for Baylen, felt a little sorry for her that she'd missed out on what's a pretty universal experience for most kids. Now, she did get to dress up in costumes, and her mom and dad, they would host a Halloween party for Baylen and for her siblings and any of the friends that they wanted to invite over to their home, but she never got to walk door-to-door and say trick-or-treat. Each year now, though, she does walk around with our younger kids, goes through the neighborhood, gets to enjoy seeing them trick-or-treating. She gets to see all the other kids in our community wandering the streets in their costumes. Most of the costumes, they seem to be tied to favorite characters in movies or maybe some sort of television show. Sometimes there are just those classic monster costumes too, you know, a vampire or a ghost, a zombie, a werewolf, some of those. But then, then there are other costumes that occasionally seem a bit dark, maybe very dark, even a bit disturbing, costumes that appear to glorify the demonic. Normally, I won't see young children that are wearing anything like that. Where I've seen it, more often it's been if I've been at a Halloween party with other adults. That's where I see other people. They might really go out all out with their costumes, embracing the macabre, maybe even incorporating some symbols that are satanic, whether they know that or not. And I find that really quite disturbing. I'm kind of the same way when it comes to horror movies, the ones that I find disturbing. I've, I've always enjoyed scary movies. From the time I was young, I was hooked on movies like Dracula and Frankenstein, the old classics. And Frankenstein is a great movie still. In fact, even better, The Bride of Frankenstein. I enjoy those stories. 
but they're just fantasy. You know, they maybe dark fantasy, but not much more than that. But I don't watch movies that deal with true demonic forces, especially movies that have demonic possession as the centerpiece of those stories. I avoid those movies because I know that that spiritual realm, it's real. It's not some fantasy. I know that there are those fallen angels, those demons, and that they're actively working against Christ, working against the church. And if you are a baptized Christian, then you are part of that struggle, part of that battle. So as we approach Halloween on Monday, with all of the different Halloween activities and parties that are probably going to be happening this weekend, or whether you're watching a scary movie or dressing up in costumes, hopefully it is all just fun. It's harmless. It's enjoyable. But again, sadly, we know that there will be others out there focused on the demonic. That's the reality of our world. So we want to take this hour of the inner life today to discuss the reality of evil in our world and the spiritual battle that is continually being waged all around us. And joining us for our conversation today here on The Inner Life is our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, is back once again. Father Ilo is a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. He's the pastor of Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. Father Ilo, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. Great to be with you. And I, I would just point out that Halloween is the eve of All Saints Day. Yes. It's fascinating, yeah, that your uh, your wife wasn't allowed to do the trick-or-treating. I think everybody has had that experience in America. And, but we're doing our best in San Francisco. We're having an All Saints party for our school children and all the children of the parish. Everybody dresses up like a saint. No monsters allowed. Only beautiful <laughs> no people. Good, yeah. good. Well, and, and you know, that is such an important point that, uh, you know, as we're talking about this, it's it's not just that, you know, it's a, it's the eve of, you know, another feast in the church. This is a high feast in the church, a solemnity, the solemnity mm. of all saints. Maybe you can give us a little historical understanding of what this day really should be for us as Catholics and what is kind of morphed into the eve of All Saints or All Hallows Day. Well, part of the reason that the vigil of All Saints became a Day of the Dead is because the day after All Saints is All Souls Day. And especially in some countries, I was just in Mexico last week with a group from my parish, a pilgrimage to Guadalupe, and the whole country is gearing up for the Day of the Dead, which they have as the first and the second of November. So they've kind of made the whole month a month of the dead, and um, this Mexico City is all full of these uh, marigolds that are the traditional flower of the dead, and so I think we we can become obsessed with death. I mean, death is the most important thing about life, that it's always hanging over us, that we are all going to die. And it's how you die that really determines what's happening for eternity. So we have to be aware of death and prepare for it, but not be obsessed by it, because death is a doorway. And what's on the other side of that doorway, we hope and pray is heaven. 
maybe a pit stop in purgatory, probably for most of us, but it's the communion of saints on the other side of that doorway. Yeah. And that's why all saints precedes all souls. They're two wonderful, very powerful solemnity. Well, one, all saints is a solemnity and then all souls is very important. Both feasts on November 1 and number 2, November 2nd. So put the, the dead in the context of the saints. That's why all saints is first on November 1st. And when it comes to death, we've just celebrated all saints day and we are praying for the holy souls in purgatory whom we hope to join someday and become a saint just just as we had celebrated um on november 1st right so those two days are, are intimately connected and it's a progressive feast in a sense that we um, celebrate the saints and then we celebrate those who have died that they will become saints. Uh, well, and when we're the ones who are celebrating this in those two days, we really kind of get this insight into the full, uh, the the full reality of the church, the mystical body of Christ, because we have the saints, and we refer to them as the church triumphant, and then the souls in purgatory we would refer to as the church suffering, and then finally it's us, the Christians, the Catholics living here on earth working to grow in holiness, working to overcome our attachments to sin, to self. We're the church militant, and I think that word militant, that actually gives us good insight into what we're up against as we talk about the evil that is in the world, and especially that spiritual realm, the evil in the spiritual realm. Maybe you can kind of open up for us what we mean when we talk about ourselves, Christians living here and now as the church militant. Right, and we should always keep in mind, as you say, all three dimensions of the Church. The Church triumphant in heaven, the Church suffering in purgatory, and the Church militant, those of us still on this planet. And we are working and fighting, and and the recent events of the last, say, five or ten years have demonstrated that it is a fight— to maintain our faith. There are very clear and present dangers to our faith that we have to defend ourselves and our children from. So we are the fighting church, but part of the weapons that we use, many of the weapons are spiritual. Some of them are more practical and material. We have to have, uh, I'm talking to you on a cell phone right now, and we need computers and we need um, food and drink and rest to fight this battle, but many of the weapons are spiritual. We can get into that from Ephesians chapter 6. But one of the weapons we use is the intercession of the saints, both those in purgatory, the holy souls. They We pray for them, but they also pray for us. And then, of course, the saints in heaven, whose intercession is more powerful because they have been purified and are closer to God, the most powerful intercession, of course, being that of Our Lady, who is closest to God. So all three cylinders, all three legs of the stool, all three burners have to be engaged here to bring about the kingdom of God. The Church militant, 
you and I talking right now, the church triumphant, the saints in heaven, and the church suffering in purgatory. Mm. I'd like to go back to one other thing that you said, uh, you know, as you were talking about All Saints Day, All Souls Day, the Day of the Dead. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a short novel, quite famous uh, in, in Christian circles. It's called The Screwtape Letters, and in it we get to read letters written from Screwtape, this senior demon, and he's writing to his nephew, Wormwood, who is this less experienced demon who is working to secure a human soul for damnation. And not even in the story itself, not in those letters, but just in the introduction to the book, C.S. Lewis, he makes this note that he sees two problematic areas for people when it comes to demons and demonic. One is to ignore, to deny their existence altogether, and the other is to have this eager fascination with it. And I think that kind of goes into what you were saying, that we can get maybe a little obsessed or we can kind of overdo looking at death. And, and, you know, I I think it might be good to maybe spend a little time considering both of these areas, ensuring that we have the proper attitude and approach to learning about the demonic, the evil that we have that's waging war against us. So uh, let's talk about that side of maybe obsession or fascination with the demonic for us, what is the proper disposition? How do we know if we have stepped out of an area of merely wanting to educate ourselves, wanting to have knowledge when it comes to dealing with things that are evil in the spiritual realm, and maybe have crossed into a, 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 a realm, an area where we're getting a little too involved with it? That's a really good point. And you mentioned how you don't watch any movies that are just about the demonic or even about the demonic in any sense, because the movies are not made by reliable or reputable experts, authorities on this topic. So we need to be aware of the demonic by reading authoritative documents on on the demonic from the church not depending on Hollywood, who doesn't know much about the demonic, and of course is out to make money on the demonic by obsessing us, so we'll keep watching the movies and the TV shows. So we shouldn't be wholly ignorant of the demonic, but we shouldn't be obsessed. How do we reach that balance? Well, the the way to become educated about the reality of the demonic and evil in general, is to read certain things by the Church. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church is a real good place to start, and that, of course, is rooted in Scripture. It parses out what God tells us in the Bible about demons and about evil. But I would say the homework for all of our listeners today, as you get ready for Halloween and All Saints and All Souls Day, is to read in the Catechism the section on evil and on the demonic. So, first of all, of course, you have to have a catechism. And so if you don't, get that or download it. But the uh, sections on Satan, uh, 2851 and following, paragraphs 2851 on Satan, and then on evil itself, paragraphs 272 and following. You can look these up in the index, but 
that's the best way to be prepared to to uh, encounter evil, to protect ourselves, to be ahead of the curve, is to know the Church's dependable teachings on that. They're, it's inspired in errant, inerrant teachings on evil, good, the demonic, and the angelic. Now, another good book to read, of course, is, as you mentioned, the Screwtape Letters. C.S. Lewis, the author, was not a Catholic, but he was very close to being Catholic. And what he writes is, is, is as far as I can tell, I've read the book twice, and it uh, seems to me there's no errors in it, although I'm not a scholar of C.S. Lewis. But that's a really good book. It's an entertaining book in one sense, but it's a very insightful book. And he, he gives several uh, tactics that the evil one uses both to tempt us, to obsess us, and to oppress us. So reading those things, uh, so the, 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 the scriptures, the catechism, and then good books on the topic. And I would mention one other, which is there have been some exorcists in the last 30 years who have written books. Gabe, Father Gabriel Amorth, for example, has written two or three books. He was the exorcist of Rome. I read a book recently, uh, a couple of years ago, of a Spanish exorcist uh, who, um, I'd have to look it up, but, and there are several others that have imprimaturs on them, that they have the approval of the church that the uh, work is free of error. And it's a very, some of them are very practical. Now, they're a little scary. I, I, I wouldn't read them just before going to bed, but they give practical uh, and true teachings about what the demonic is and how to deal with it. And the bottom line is, the demonic has no power over us. Exorcists tell me they feel, in a way, sorry for the demons that they're exercising out of people because there's no contest between their power and the power of God. They put up a fight but they know they cannot win that fight because good is infinitely stronger than evil. God will always provide us the grace we need to overcome any evil. Mm -hmm. Talking with Father Joseph Ilo today here on The Inner Life, talking about the evil that we face in our world, that spiritual realm. And maybe you have a question as you're listening about Satan, about demons, about angels, about spiritual warfare, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Ilo. Our phone number here, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, before we have to take our first break, let's talk about that other aspect that C.S. Lewis mentions in his introduction to his, his novel, The Screwtape Letters. He says that there's people who just want to ignore or deny the existence of evil or the demonic. So how how do you respond to someone who says there is no devil, that Satan is just this made-up character to try and frighten children so that they behave or obey their parents? Well, on an um, empirical level or a scientific level, I would encourage someone who doesn't believe in the devil to assist or witness an exorcism. Because you see things in an exorcism that have no scientific explanation, which indicates that there is a power here uh, beyond the natural, that's a supernatural, it's, it's a preternatural power, 
And you just can't deny the um, the phenomena of an exorcism. And you can also see how the spiritual weapons that the exorcist uses have great effect in healing the person. But also, if you don't believe in the devil and you're Catholic, or you're not sure you believe in the devil, just read the catechism, the authority, authoritative teaching. So uh, number 391, for example, in the catechism, behind every, behind the disobedient choice of our first parents is a seductive voice opposed to God, which makes them fall into death out of envy, called Satan or the devil, a person, the evil one, the angel who opposes God, a murderer from the beginning, a liar and the father of lies. So catechism teaches us that evil is not just a force or even a lack of good. It is that. But beyond that, evil is a person, a fallen angel with intelligence and will that we need to reckon with if we are to protect ourselves. Maybe we can talk in just a moment, too, about Satan as that fallen angel. And, you know, there's so often that, as you were talking about, that battle of good versus evil, and that good will always prevail. Um, Sometimes I think we have a, a false notion that we can fall into that God and Satan are these kind of co-equals, but you're really talking about a creator versus a creature, a created being. So maybe let's pick up on that in just a moment here, Father. Again, talking with Father Joseph Ilo today here on The Inner Life, and our phone number, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com, if you have a question about Satan, about angels, demons, spiritual warfare, and uh, you're welcome to call in again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society, not available in all states. Josh Raymond today speaking with Father Joseph Ilo. He is the pastor of Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco, talking about the reality of evil, talking about spiritual warfare today as we look ahead towards Halloween coming up this Monday, and also inviting your calls, your questions about spiritual warfare about Satan, demons, angels, and that spiritual realm, you're welcome to call us, 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father, before the break, mentioned that, you know, I think it can be often that we have this idea that God and Satan are kind of these co-equal battling forces and, you know, well, we hope God will win in the end, but of course we know God is the creator, and that puts him on just a completely different level, completely different plane of existence than 
any created being, including Satan. But I remember reading, I, I don't know when I read this, but this is from Dr. Peter Kraft in his book, Angels and Demons. And he's actually kind of explaining the nine choirs of angels. And he's deriving this from St. Thomas Aquinas. And he says, in the first three levels, we have angels that see and adore God directly. And this is a quote from his book, again, Angels and Demons. He says, the seraphim, the highest choir, comprehend God with maximum clarity, and therefore their love flames the hottest. Seraphim means the burning ones. And then he says, Lucifer, literally translated light bearer, was once one of them, one of the seraphim. That's why he's still very powerful and dangerous and gives this insight into why Lucifer, why Satan is so strong, so powerful. And the one that we always turn to that we talk about is St. Michael the Archangel. But, you know, even with that, I, I, I think you, you made such a, a good point but it was a line that kind of, you know, went by, and I want to draw attention to it again. You said that the powers of demons, the power of Satan, it, it has no control or no hold over us. But at the same time, we have to know our limitations, that it's because of God, mm-hmm. because we are united with God. I, I find one of the most interesting verses in the Bible, it's in the short letter of St. Jude in the New Testament, last letter that's there before we have the book of Revelation, the the Apocalypse. And it says in one line, the archangel Michael, when he argued with the devil in a dispute over the body of Moses, did not venture to pronounce a reviling judgment upon him, but said, may the Lord rebuke you. And mm-hmm. I think that's such a good, you know, if, if St. Michael leans upon the strength of Jesus in dealing with Satan, that should be the example that all of us need to follow. That's right. Uh, Let me just quote uh, the Catechism 395 here. The power of Satan is not infinite. He is only a creature, powerful from the fact that he is pure spirit, but still a creature. He cannot prevent the building up of God's reign. In other words, God's designs will come to pass whether we are part of that or not. Our only job is to be part of that. And the devil wants to keep us, he wants to damn as many souls as possible to keep as many as possible from being part of that kingdom. The kingdom will happen. And so that's the drama of human existence is, as St. Ignatius of Loyola said, which standard, under which standard, which flag do we march? Is it the standard of Satan or the standard of Christ? Now, you mentioned that the... um, Lucifer or Satan was a seraphim, one of the burning seraphim that is the highest rank of angels. And Michael, St. Michael was only an archangel, number two out of nine, an arch, uh, second lowest. But he became more powerful than Satan simply by saying the truth. Mm. Who is like God? His name in Hebrew, of course, meaning that. No one is like God. Only you say that that. that God is of a, a, a completely different degree of existence. But Thomas Aquinas, of course, says that God is existent. Right, right. His, his being, it, right. So um, the, <laughs> what we say about God is 
infinitely less than what there really is. Right, that, always that incomplete. We, right. So given that, we should have no fear of Satan. We should be concerned. We should be aware that he is trying to derail us on our way to heaven. But if we, with, with St. Michael and all of the saints and angels, if we keep our minds and our wills fixed on God, if our will is aligned with his and we are determined, res, resolved never to verge from his will, then the devil has no power over us. So that's the story. It's the story of St. Michael. Well, this, this little tiny archangel <laughs> stood up against a seraphim. Well, and, and, and a third and of the angels. What happens then when, you know, there's that well known prayer to St. Michael? What, what are we doing when we call on him for his protection? Yes, we're saying the same thing. We, when we say St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, we're saying his name and we're, we're confessing with St. Michael and all the good angels who is like God. There is only one God, and Satan is not God. I am not God. The, the government is not God. Technology is not God. Only one God. And so just to say the name of St. Michael is powerful, because we're saying what he said. We're confessing the omnipotence of God. Father, I want to definitely get into some of the other things that we might be able to do. You, you referenced the sixth chapter of the letter to the Ephesians by St. Paul, and we want to get into that here shortly, but also have a number of phone calls coming in and want to get to the phones here. Again, our number, 888-914-9149, and talking with Father Joseph Ilo today about the spiritual uh, warfare that we have to be a part of, that we engage in as believers, as part of the mystical body of Christ. Maybe you have a question about spiritual warfare, or about Satan, about demons, about angels, You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Ilo, 888-914-9149. Will is calling in from Walnut Creek, California. Will, you're on the air with Father Ilo. Yes, good morning. Uh, Since the, uh, I believe the fallen angels were created at the beginning, um, and then the earth, we were formed, uh, let's say the earth, maybe five billion years later, and then the fall happened sometime after that. What were the devil? What was the devil doing? Uh, maybe also the angels uh, prior to uh, to the fall for all that time. Well, there was no time, perhaps, in, in the way we understand it. So to, we're not sure what's five billion years or uh, however many years. But what the devil after between the fall and the creation of of the universe is what you're saying, I suppose, right? So what was he doing? Well, he was plotting against God. He was hating God. And he knew that the, the, um, that, that the man would be created, male and female in the Garden of Eden, and that he also knew that they would, that, that mankind would fall and, and be redeemed by a man, not an angel. And that's really what drove him crazy. That's what drove him to rebel even before the creation of the universe. Because he could, in his pride, he couldn't accept that the savior of the human race would be non-angelic. It would be this miserable uh, body-soul composite, this 
squishy, smelly, imperfect thing that we call the human being uh, with a body. And it just, um, so he was plotting all that time, planning on how to undo the graces of God. And, and of course, he did so in the Garden of Eden, and he's been doing so ever since. Uh, Father, you know, one other thing that might be good to talk about here, too. We, as humans, we have the ability to have this change of motive, our intellect. It allows us to, at least here on Earth, before we die, we might have times where we are united with God. There are times we can walk away from God, but then we can come back Satan and the other fallen angels, the demons, once they made their choice, they made it and it was final. They have no ability to come back. Why is that? Because the the decision was irrevocable because they had a superior intelligence. They have a superior intelligence. And we are of of a darkened intellect since the fall. And an irresolute will, we're uh, frail in our uh, willpower, but because they didn't have that limitation with a, with a supreme intellect and, and a, a secure will, they made their decision with full knowledge and full intention, and there is no reason they would ever take that back. Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Bob, who is calling in from Philadelphia. Hi, Bob. Welcome to the inner life. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question for Father is: Is uh, astrology and Reiki dangerous? And if it is, how do you approach someone who is uh, involved in that? Well, I'm not too familiar with those two things, but the the point I would make is that why get involved in these things? Of course, they might be fun. They might give you a sense of power and control. But if, you, if there's a possibility that these, these could be portals to the demonic, that you'd open yourself up to an infection, people are so afraid of getting a contagious disease these days, rightly so, but why would you allow yourself to be possibly infected with a spiritual disease, which can really mess your brain up and mess your soul and your will? So I would just say um, don't play with high explosives. The reason people do play with high explosives is because they're exciting. But you have to um, you have to resist that temptation to play with, to dialogue with the devil, to play with the devil. He's not something to be played with. Those things are possibly and probably portals to the demonic. There are a lot of openings, doorways by which the devil can get into us. Uh, sex. The, the impure sex or the um, bad use of drugs, sex and drugs, very common portals for the demonic, but also these kind of um, occult games and, and practices are also very, very dangerous portals to infection from the demonic. 
Talking with Father Joseph Ilo today, taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, talking about the reality of evil, talking about spiritual warfare. If you have a question, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Ilo, 888-914-9149. Coming up next, we'll talk about some of the ways that we can prepare ourselves, that we can kind of reinforce ourselves as we know we'll be facing that spiritual battle, that spiritual warfare in our lives. 888-914-9149, our phone number here. And back in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today talking about spiritual warfare about the evil that we face uh, in our world, Satan, demons, angels, all of that here on The Inner Life today. And speaking with Father Joseph Ilo, again, our phone number, if you have a question, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, before we get back to our conversation, I also want to encourage you, we mentioned earlier uh, in the hour that coming up November 1st, it's All Saints Day, November 2nd, All Souls Day. And that's the day that we are invited to pray for the souls in purgatory in a very special way. We should do that at all times, but also very especially on November 2nd, we remember the holy souls in purgatory. And starting that day, November 2nd, continuing through November 10th, for those nine days here at Relevant Radio, we are wanting to invite you to be part of a novena for praying for the holy souls in purgatory, you can submit the names of your loved ones, departed loved ones, uh, who have passed away, and have them remembered as we pray together during that novena. Just go to our website, relevantradio.com, or go to the Relevant Radio app. You'll see the banner where you can click there and submit the names. And when you submit those names of souls to be prayed for, you'll also be able to enter your email address, and you can receive daily reflections for each of those days of the novena from Father Rocky, our executive director here at Relevant Radio, helping you to enter a little more deeply into that novena. And again, you can enter those names of your loved ones that you'd like to have prayed for, relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app, and then make sure to join us as we pray together three specific times during the day. Uh, During Mass, that's at noon Central, right after this hour of the inner life. Also at 3 o'clock Central in the afternoon during the Divine Mercy Chaplet with Drew Mariani, and then finally with Father Rocky on the Family Rosary Across America. That's at 7 o'clock Central in the evening here on Relevant Radio. Uh, Father Ilo, just following up on the conversation that you had with Bob, who called in right before the, the break here, and he was asking about astrology, Reiki, and you were, you were saying, you know, without necessarily being a th- an authority on those subjects, why open the door to a possible entry for the demonic in your life? Let's say that I have done that in the past, though. If I'm a person who has dabbled in something along those lines, something with the occult, whatever it might be, and I'm worried that there might be kind of that residual leftover demonic influence in my life, what's the best way for me to ensure that I've cleansed myself of that, that I no longer have that holding on to me? I'll give seven weapons, seven spiritual remedies for the demonic and then focus on one of them, which is 
the sacraments. But the, the most important, of course, the sacraments, so the Eucharist and confession. Make sure that you're receiving those regularly. Second, the Word of God, reading the, the Scriptures, praying with the Scriptures. Third, prayer and worship. So the the Mass, of course, but also the Rosary Novena, as you mentioned, the Novena to the Holy Souls. If we do a Novena for other people, graces will come to us and, and heal us as well. Number four, the name of Jesus, Our Lady, the Saints. Uh, obviously, in the Rosary, we say the, the Holy Names very many times. But to call upon, uh, if we feel um, oppressed or tempted, to, to just to say, Jesus, help me. Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace. Uh, number five, fasting. That's That gets it where it hurts, right? We have to um, feel this in our bodies, that we are serious about cleaning up our act, cleaning up our, our soul. So we have to fast. Number six, acts of charity, doing things for others, um, sacrificial acts of love for others. And then seven, thanksgiving, to be praise, praising and thanking God continually. Let me mention the first one, though, come back to the sacraments, which are the most powerful channels of grace in our lives. There are seven sacraments, but the Blessed Sacrament is the Holy Eucharist. So a person that has been infected, perhaps, by the demonic or even cursed without their knowing it, often these kinds of uh, people with that go to an exorcist. And the exorcist will often say, well, one confession is better than a thousand exorcisms. One holy mass has infinite graces. So it's hard to get to an exorcist. There's not enough exorcists, and there's too much of the demonic around. But we can go to daily mass. We can go to mass every day, twice a day. If you, uh, we can go to adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. So make of your every time, every moment we spend before the Blessed Sacrament either at Mass or in adoration, is like radiation therapy for the cancer of the d demonic. It just, it just melts it away. And then confession, to receive that sacrament often, at least once a month, maybe every two weeks. For a person that's afflicted by the demonic, maybe every week. But the, the devil cannot persist in a soul that is laying itself bare before the grace of God in the sacrament of penance. So those are some of the, those are seven spiritual remedies for spiritual problems. I, I also would like to go back to one of them that you said, um, and it's because we have this story in the Gospels where Jesus, he sends his disciples out, and his disciples, they are unable to drive out an unclean spirit from this boy. And then Jesus, he comes along, he drives out the demon, and the disciples, they ask Jesus why they had failed. Jesus responds that this kind of spirit could only be cast out through prayer and fasting. Maybe can you spend just a little more time talking about why fasting, that self-denial, that discipline over our bodies, why that is so important for resisting and fighting evil? Fasting makes us weak physically, and th therefore depending more on God's strength. It's removing the ego from the equation. Narcissism is a real big problem in our time. The, the Satan in the Garden of Eden convinced Eve, our first mother, that it was all about her, that she had a right to do whatever she wanted, and she should focus on, on 
her needs and her wants. And fasting just cuts right through that. It it makes us realize very physically that I am dust and ashes. I am completely dependent on God for every breath I take. And then the, the devil has no hold on us anymore. I'd also mention the, the apostles, and there were some pretty graced individuals, the first bishops and apostles of the church. They couldn't do anything about with this possessed person. John Paul II, before he, he died, uh, maybe a year before he died, did an exorcism. He spent an hour with somebody who was possessed at one of his Wednesday audiences in the plaza of St. Peter's, and really n- n- no, with no real results. So if this great saint and, and pontiff spent an hour working on the problem and really didn't get very far, we just have to keep at it. People think, well, okay, I, I, you know, if I fast once, I should take care of the problem, or I go to confession and it's going to be done. People sometimes have to spend years with an exorcist before getting out a, real, a full-blown possession. Mm. So perseverance and patience and accepting the demonic that God allows this for a greater good, we accept that penance. That's also a big part of the equation, not to give up. The devil wants us to give up because he's got his claws into us and he's not letting go. And so we just say, well, might as well just give in or there's no hope here. And that's what he wants us to do. Father, let's go back to the phones. Karen calling in from Sacramento. Glad to have you here on The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Ilo. Yes, thank you. Uh, Father Ilo, kind of a blast from the past. I remember you were a young priest at St. Anthony School in Manteca when I was teaching. Oh, that. yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> anyway, my question here is, is there a hierarchy of, like, who has the more power when we are praying? For example, do the angels, Michael particularly, have more power than praying to other human type saints. Obviously, God is, is and God is, is highest there, but um, do the angels have more intercessory power than, than let's say, St. Teresa or any of the other saints? St. Anthony, for example, my favorite. Yeah, well, um, so Our Lady, Queen of Angels, has the most of any human being or of any, of any creature. And then after that, I would say St. Michael. But don't forget St. Joseph, the, the terror of demons. So some people would argue St. Joseph is more powerful, some St. Michael. In the um, fittier, the I confess to Almighty God in the older form, St. Michael uh, is right up there at the top. So I would uh, pray to all of them. <laughs> I, at, at exorcisms I've assisted with, there's um, you can see the effect that certain names have, and it's different with different exorcisms because demons are different. Each one's a different person, a different angel. And there's usually a, a lot of demons in one person. So you have to do all the things all the time. And uh, exorcists will call upon the name of Jesus, of course, but then Mary and then Joseph and St. Michael and patron saints. So I don't, it's hard to say who's going to be more effective. We just have to try to, uh, we have to invoke the intercession of all of the communion of saints and angels. Thanks for the call, Karen. Um, Father, we've talked a lot about the ways that 
demonic forces, fallen angels can impact us as individuals. Let's also talk just in our last couple of minutes here about the other matter that we have in our world, you know, where homes, it's a good thing to get your home blessed, um, that kind of gets rid of some of that residual that might have been there before you owned the house. Uh, maybe you can also talk about some different sacramentals that can be used for spiritual protection. I know, you know, different blessed salts, oils, uh, holy water, of course, is, is a great one, uh, you know, to have holy water in your house. Can you, can you kind of uh, open that up for us a little? Sure. When I was a newly ordained priest, Karen said I was young once, and I was. Uh, I think the first time I got a call from a family that had preternatual occurrences, doors opening, lights turning on and off, uh, strange creatures appearing outside the windows, ghosts, in other words. And I went there to the house, and there is a huge—I remember it was the um, Feast of Christ the King. It was a Sunday— and there was a huge six-foot poster of Elvis Presley. And I said, who's the king in this house? <laughs> and they said, well, Elvis. I said, well, that's the problem. Christ has to be the king. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Elvis is just a man, and he wasn't perfect. So I said, instead of Elvis, I want you to put up a crucifix. They had no crucifixes. I also heard all their confessions, sprinkled the house with holy water, so we have to look at what may be, um, what are we watching on TV or movies? What are we reading? What music are we listening to? What do we have on our walls? Do we have any sacred images? Do we have holy water fonts in our houses? All of these are um, sacramentals that, are, that, that keep us not only uh, intellectually or um, our imaginations purified, fixed on God, but also, it chases out the demonic. The devil does not want to come where there's a crucifix. Exorcists use the crucifix. It's imperative to use that very uh, material object, a wooden or, or, or metal crucifix. And he's, he's afraid of that. So <clears throat> make of your house. Make sure that it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a holy place that looks like a holy place. And, and that'll In the Mass... The um, incense and bells are also often also used against the demonic. So the priest incenses the altar in a high mass four times, all in, in, in like 18 different places, because he's protecting it against the onslaught of evil. And then the bells also, bells and towers, little bells at mass. So those are just two kind of simple things. Wonderful. But they... Yeah, they keep the devil away. Father, the hour has flown by, and uh, apologies to those calling in, and we couldn't get you on the air. Uh, Father, we've got about 15 seconds left. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, St. Michael the Archangel, and all the angels and saints, and all the souls in purgatory who are praying for us, may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Ilo. Always good to have you here on the program. If you joined us late, it was a great hour, great conversation about spiritual warfare, and I'd encourage you to go back, listen to the entire hour, the entire podcast. You can find that at our website, RelevantRadio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. Mass starts right now here on Relevant Radio.